Thank you for joining us on another season of Beyond Clean, a live podcast where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. Beyond Clean is a podcast that is broadcast out of our studios inside Gym Supply in Orlando, Florida. We're always looking for guests at Beyond Clean, so reach out to me, your host, David Thompson, at dthompson at academyofcleaning.com or call us at 888-999-6059. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, let's get started with today's guest on Beyond Clean. Good morning, folks. This is Dave Thompson. I am the host of Beyond Clean with Ace. Uh, you know what? Uh, before we get started with today's show, I wanted to kind of tell you, I, I appreciate all of the listeners out there. You've been great. We're in our fifth season. We've had over 5,500 downloads. Uh, we've had over 100 hours of live broadcast and listening. So that means, hey, if you hadn't realized that we're on Beyond Clean with Ace, a live podcast on Podbean Live. And you might have heard a little bit of typing going on in the background. That's not me. That's my guest speaker today that comes back, well, supposedly every month on the first Monday of the month. We try to do that. Sean DeVore. Hey, Dave. Glad to be on the show today. Thank you so much for your time. Well, you know, hey, uh, we're, we're, we're back on schedule. We had a little hiccup last month, I guess. But, uh, um, you know, hey, I wanted to ask you, because I know last month uh, you were having a little bit of eye surgery stuff. How's that all, how's that all going? Uh, actually, I'm all healed up. Uh, I guess the human eye heals really quickly, thank goodness. But I did have <laughs> a detached retina. <laughs> I had a detached retina, and uh, it was all uh, happened really quickly. I... I had some, they call it the curtains closing. So I had a curtain coming across my left eye, went into my regular eye doctor. She sent me an emergency appointment, saw her and she turned around and said, you need to go to the retina place today. And I went and saw that gentleman and he said on his, I was questioning him whether, cause he wanted to go ahead and do a repair that day right then. And I was oh. like, well, I don't have a second opinion or anything. And he, just gently turned around as a surgeon does on his chair and on a stool and said, Sean, you need to do this because you could be blind by three o'clock today. So um, I laid back in the chair and told him to get with it. And yeah. Well, that brings up a good point, Sean. And I mean, everybody, you know, we, we, we're not, we don't come on here to talk about our personal stuff, but it does right. because, you know, the thing is, is you went to an expert for a reason. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is, you and I being experts in our fields, we get things like this all the time. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, you know that's not really what I want to do. And this is just human nature. We all do this. And, and so we, we appreciate that pause. But as the doctor did to you, and you very wisely just chose to go ahead and take the advice. Not everybody does that. Yeah, it was a quick decision. I had to, you know, my wife was at work and I just texted her and said, I have, I'm getting this fixed right now. You'll have to come pick me up. And, and it was just all uh, really quickly. It only took 10 minutes to, to do the repair. And then I had to lay on one side on my right side for three days and couldn't get up. So and, 
Folks, you know, we're talking with Sean DeVore. Uh, he's one of the reps with Mannington Mills. He's been on our show for well over a year now. Um, Sean, tell him a little bit, and then can you just kind of, you know, because what we're wanting to talk about here is how does this and working with an expert relate to our field of luxury vinyl and floor care? So I guess one of the examples I could give was here recently I had, I'm working with a local county municipality. And we installed about 3,000 square foot of our commercial rubber flooring. Commercial rubber flooring, when it's made, is, is, is kind of like a, a batter for biscuits or a batter for a cake dough is kind of how it's mixed together. The colors in there, the components of the products in there, and it's all mixed together in this big, big thing that looks like a dough spinner. And it spins it and stretches it, spins it, stretches it. They take it out and they, they run it through uh, a machine that mashes it flat. And then as it gets flat, it's just a real thin sheet, about four foot wide, and it's an eighth of an inch thick. And it goes through a bath of silicone, and then it gets cut into sections and it gets put sent to a press. And it stays in that press for about 35 minutes, and then it comes out. It's like a big, huge waffle iron. And we apply the silicone that I mentioned in order to allow it to pop out, just like you would spray oil into that waffle iron to allow your dough to come out. We spray silicone or put silicone on the rubber in order to allow it to come out of the dye. Well, the only problem well, is, is I, prefer, I prefer butter on mine, you know, whenever I spray the, I'm sorry. <laughs> real butter, too, not the margarine. You don't want to, the, the margarine's bad for you. It's better to eat real butter. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, you know, I just had to jump in there on that, but uh, I know. Yeah, yeah. So you spray the silicone in so it releases off of the 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 form, right? And that leaves a residue. And we've worked with the different types of silicone and the different processes to try to minimize that, but we still have to have it in order to allow it to release from the dye. Mm -hmm. So when it goes to the job site. It still has that silicone on it. So part of the break-in process, it can be as, as little as 30 days or as much as six months, depending on the maintenance program of the end user. Um, you have to work on getting that off to break the to break the rubber product in. Well, this particular end user was uninterested in doing that himself. He wanted he thought that was going to be part of the purchasing process. And he wanted me to wash the car after he had bought it, kind of. So <laughs> I. <laughs> you mean that service doesn't come automatically? No, it doesn't come automatically. Which, oh, man. you know, they're a very important customer and a very important client. And they've they've used my products extensively here in the last two or three years. So I, I really didn't have a problem with training his people on how to do it the proper way. So I hired an outside company to come in and took it out of my profit and, and cost net cost to pay these people to come in. It was about 40 cents a foot. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was enough. And we walked in and I, I gave them the instructions on how to, to wash the floor and then how to maintain it afterwards. So taking my professional advice, he, the customer really didn't have a big issue with taking my professional advice. He just didn't want to do it himself. And 
we were able to work through the process and get it done. And um, it's a pretty, you know, it's kind of a, a little bit of an aggressive way to go about cleaning the floor. You have to use a side-by-side machine with a, uh, a uh, nylon flag brush and actually use a little bit higher pH. So you come off the zero scale up to five or six. You can go as much as eight uh, on the pH in order to help remove that silicone. And then you have to rinse the floor and then at the final stage is buff it with a high speed buffer with a white pad on it. There okay, is so wait a minute. Are, 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 you using, are you using a five, six acid to start with or are you using a, an eight, nine, ten alkaline to start with? So it's an acid. Oh, okay. So, you, so you're using an acid to remove the silicone with the flag brush. Correct. And okay. then you rinse it. Once you've rinsed the, the product with clean water and vacuum that up, then you go back with a 2,500 RPM high speed and with a white pad, 3M white pad, and buff the product. And there is a, there's a wax in the product as part of the actual geometry of the product. So as you warm it up, that wax starts to move up through the product and come to the top. And well, in, in, in this case... Yeah, and in this case, we're actually talking a true wax that comes back to the top, not an acrylic finish. That's correct. That's correct. It's similar to, a, and I hesitate to use the word, but it's similar to a carnauba wax. Right. Uh, that comes up to the top. And when you first start, when you first do this, you're going to have patches where you have the wax comes right up. You're going to have patches where maybe the person running the machine or the, the product didn't get uh the silicone didn't get removed all the way, so it might look a little bit a little bit patchy for the first two or three months. So we're and using a high we're using a high speed bush burnisher, and we're always going to use a white pad now. Yeah, yeah, because there's no need. All you're trying to do is get the uh, to warm it up to get the the wax to come up in it. So you really don't need to have any abrasiveness to it. You're just looking for the friction. Now, of course, what you're talking about, this is going to be a fairly smooth rubber floor not one that's got the nubs on it because then it wouldn't it wouldn't get in so if you had because i'm supposing these are going to be different types of rubber floor right yeah this one is a uh this particular one we we're working with this 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 past week was uh the hammered or sculptured uh version okay. so it has little, little tiny dimples in it ah yes okay all right now that's we understand yeah um, and then with, with the other ones, you do the same thing, I, but I'm not as, as versed in the different kinds of pads to use, but you do use the same operation on the round raised or the rails, raised square in order to buff it up. So the, the contractor that you brought in to do the break-in, you went and, and schooled them. And, and so your professional advice was going to them and then the end user had to maintain it once it was broke in. Correct. So I spoke with, and I will be going back to speak with the, I actually owe them an email this morning, but I will be going back to work with the actual in-house for the county maintenance to, to have them. And I actually suggested to have this outside company come back in in three months and redo this exact same process again. So have in between have the maintenance staff use a manual mop 
because it's a really tight area with the it's a fleet services area so there's a lot of desks and things in there so i have them dust mop and then manually mop the area with neutral cleaner and or water depending on what's needed up until the, the three month period and then have this company come back in and scrub the floor again so the so the thing is the end user was taking your advice he just wanted somebody to do the break-in because you know and, and i hey we understand this nowadays folks everybody is running un, understaffed i don't care where you go we're all dealing with the same issues uh and i'm i'm, I'm assuming that was some of their issue probably well it was twofold uh you know most county municipalities work off of purchase orders and preset budgets we've been budgeting this job for a year close to a year so sure when i when i came up and said you know you're gonna have to pay 40 cents a foot or do you i it's a twofold answer and you are correct when i came up and said you need to do this maintenance on it while the floor is open and there's no desks or anything on it be a perfect time to scrub the floor right. uh he was like well i don't i don't have the staff to do that and I'm like, well, you can always, you know, to me, I'm, I'm just trying to find an answer. I've piped right up and said, well, you can bring an outside company in and have it done. He's like, well, how much does that cost? And I was like, I don't know, between 35 and 45 cents a foot. And he's like, well, that's not on the PO, Sean. I can't do that. So <laughs> we, we had a little back and forth there. And I said, you know what? I'll just, I'll take care of it. I, it needs to be done. It's the right thing to do. So let me just fix it. Well, I think so, this is what we're talking about, folks, this morning here on Podbean Live is that, you know, taking a professional advice is what's going to help you long term. Not everybody, Sean, takes that advice, do they? No, I, I constantly, I can go back and we, I can talk about a, a project that I had at a hospital well, I think we talked about two months ago and the end user was complaining that they had, they were tracking on the floor. So the, the LVT was tracking. So when someone came through or they drove an x-ray machine or something through across the floor, it was leaving a mark. And I explained to him that the mark is coming from residue on the floor, more than likely soap residue. And I gave him the instructions, I think, like we had discussed about clean, rinsing the floor for a week with just water. When they do the, the nightly cleaning, just clean it with water. Don't use any chemical. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. No problem. And when I had shown up that day, my, my level of expectation was they were supposed to have a charged machine there with the proper pad or brush on it that I had recommended so that we could clean the floor while they were the maintenance staff was present. So when I came there, there was just the director of facilities for the hospital and the director of EVS for the hospital. And we were just having a conversation. There was nobody there. There was no machines. There was nobody there. Um, so I was, able, I was unable to show them how to clean the floor physically. So I just described it to them once again. And they said they would do that. Well, I got message back then. This was not working that they just weren't this that there was the floor was still tracking that they you know they tried everything we told them and i told them and it just wasn't tracking so a higher representative from the main hospital went to this out, outlying hospital and discussed with them and finally got to this the gritty 
of the story was that they weren't they didn't have a machine they didn't have the proper machine so they not only brought me out there and told me they were going to do this and i asked them that day i said i can get i can show you how to do it manually with a microfiber uh mop or a uh, microfiber this new disposable microfiber that we've got access to i can show you how to do it oh no we don't have time to do it manually we can't do it manually well come to find out they didn't have a machine <laughs> but he didn't tell me that so i think there was something else going on with somebody in the hospital doesn't like the color so they weren't really cleaning it because they don't like the color and the person from the other hospital came in and said i picked the color so you're going to have to like the color and we're going to have to clean it properly. So why don't you borrow a machine from one of the other hospitals and bring it in? So that's at the point we're at right now. So there's a lot of things that go into the um, the part about giving professional advice, how it's perceived, how it's taken, and how it's used. And it goes down all kinds of different paths. I'm not sure where this I know where the hospital is going to go. They're going to use the floor because they're happy with it in the other locations and the administration's happy with it. So this particular branch is going to have to deal with it. Uh, we just got to get them with the right equipment. Well, and, and, and that so much is, is the thing. I had a, an LV class, you know, we have our luxury bomb class to do it once a month. And I had two people that were there and, you know, they, they came into class there in Tampa for, the fact that they're starting a business and they're wanting to get into this, but they're they're researching what it is they should really start doing before they just jump headlong into doing what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, well, you're doing that's the first right thing you're doing because you know why do the same thing everybody else is and as a contractor be on a race to zero with everybody else, right? And so I said, you, you know, we, when we got a couple hours into the class, I'm like, well, folks, you know, with the questions you're asking and everything, I said, this is going to go a little longer because we need to give you more advice as we go this afternoon. And they said, hey, you know, we'll stay here till, you know, till they close the doors. And we did. And long story short on that, Sean, is, you know, they hung on every word. We weren't trying to change preconceived notions that they already had. But you know what's interesting is just what you said a minute ago. When it still came down to the equipment, well, I don't know. I don't know that we can afford it. And I said, you know, the thing about it is, is in this business, especially as a contractor, it's not what you pay for the machine. It's what kind of money are you going to make with the machine? Right. And I think this is the whole thing with luxury vinyl flooring or low maintenance flooring as, as we're talking rubber as well, is that since you do not have the stripping, the refinishing and all of that maintenance, the day-to-day -day care is much more important and the equipment now is even more important than it was on the daily work. Right. And people just can't get, can't, can't grasp that. So in their case, it was easier to change, you know, to set a precedence for them going forward rather than, as you said, with the hospital 
or even this new place you're working with, trying to change them from their old habits to, well, you you know, you, you know, the old manual stuff just doesn't do it anymore. And I can, if you'll listen to me, I can make your job go faster and you'll spend less time on the floor than you ever did before. I've got one of our guys that I'd, I'd like to bring him on, on with you one day is uh, um, Jim Toth, T-O-T-H is his name. But Jim has been with us for a while, and he's he's one of those guys, like I, I talk about some of my friends that I have, he's forgotten more about floors than I'll ever know as far as maintenance <laughs> goes. And he he has a, uh, a little, an old book that's just, it is, it's from his days of working, and it's, it's dog-eared. Oh, dead air. Dead air. We lost Sean. Uh, I, no, I'm here. Sean? I'm here. Okay. I was getting a phone call. I apologize. But anyway, the book is dog-eared and used and been in his pocket, and it's, it's a labor book that tells how many hours it takes to clean a floor or do certain types of maintenance. You've probably seen one before. And he'll break that book out and he'll literally show someone this is what we used to figure to, to strip and finish a floor. This is how it is. And this is when I do these calculations for this LVT, it's almost half the time because the time that you come in, put the stripper on the floor, allow it to set up, then come back and bring the stripper off, rinse the floor, then apply the finish, then buff the finish and all the time in between you know, that you're hanging out waiting for the, the finish or waiting for the stripper to work or whatever you're doing is all time. It needs to be calculated into taking care of that floor that you can't do anything else. You can't you can't clean the chalkboards in a classroom because you're waiting on the stripper to work. You know, you can't can't do anything in that. So these are all things that that he brings up that are very valid points about these new floors today, that if you clean them the way we ask you to clean them and and step into a new way of doing things, your time will be cut in half. And the chemical amount is cut way down. I don't even know what the percentage is on that. You know, about well, you know it, it's interesting what you're saying this morning, Sean, is you're going to cleaning and we're talking about regular daily maintenance cleaning. And, you know, I think our industry over the last 18 months has come to the realization that when we do above the floor work, which is predominantly infection prevention, mm -hmm. that cleaning is the first step in infection prevention. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether I'm talking above floor or on the floor, you know, it's, it's, a, it's something that's interesting as I've been listening to this and having all these podcasts over the last year, is that cleaning and the basis of and doing more cleaning, I know I keep saying that, right? But that's the whole thing. Everything else either is more intensive or less intensive if we do the first steps right. Correct. And if you remember back on the old with VCT, if you went into a classroom that had VCT and they were, if they were keeping it up with the, with what Mannington or Armstrong or Tarquette required as far as 
quarterly maintenance to keep the finish on the floor, they would allow that floor to go as far as they possibly could before they applied new finish to it or before they went in there and, and started working on it. And the floor, the room would be full of dust bunnies and not up to what the clean cleanliness standards are for what we expect during this COVID time. With a LVT floor and the daily maintenance that we're talking about, the room ends up being cleaner uh, because you're rinsing the floor almost every day or every other day, or you have your classrooms on a rotation where you're doing every odd classroom, you know, this day, and then you do the even classrooms on the other days. So you're getting two or three days in between cleaning, and you're simply going in and, and, and cleaning the floor and rinsing it. Uh, a lot more often than you would normally with the VCT floor. Well, and I think this is the whole uh, deal. I mean, um, you know, I had some people in our infection prevention was asking when is COVID over? And, you know, I don't know that, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a bell that goes off and everybody says, okay, pandemic's over. Uh, you know, we're just kind of slowly migrating towards that. And as people are coming back to the workplace, staff is going to come back to strength it isn't there yet today i understand that but as it does i think this cleanliness standard that you're talking about here sean is going to be the indicator as to what we learned yeah i agree i mean i i saw an article over the weekend that was talking about these major corporations or, or deciding to bring people back to the office. And I think that's going to bring in some, some opportunity for some like the company that you're talking about, because there is going to be a different level of expectation about what cleanliness is now. And so, so do you think that your advice that, that you and I give out professionally is going to be listened to and followed more accurately as we move forward? I think it's going to be listened to, but it, we're going to we're going to see a lot of people digress. We're going to see in the corporate environment because the corporate environment hasn't went back yet. So the people that work in a you know where there's four people for every hundred square foot in a telemarketing area, or those those kinds of people have not went back to the office yet. Correct. And that's what this Correct. article was. This article was dealing with. Okay, how do you uh, promote someone who's working at their house? Uh, do you promote only the people that decide to come back to work or can you also promote those that wish to stay home and work? You know, th well, those, they're, these they're, are all this. Yeah. It's not that they didn't come back to work. They just didn't come back to the workplace. Correct. Correct. So there's all these questions about, and that's what that article was dealing with was, you know, uh, people who are unwilling to come back to the office when requested, uh, but they're still doing their work. Can they be promoted and all those kinds of things. So mm. when you bring, when you bring people back into the workspace, these spaces haven't been cleaned yet the way, because there's been no one there. Right. And go back to what you've said many times before over the last year is, okay, now you're going to have these people, these custodian, custodial staff come back in. They're going to start squirting everything and they're going to leave residue. Things are going to get dirty and then you're going to have buildup. And then they got to learn because the hospitals have already been through that. 
they've already experienced that. They've already had the buildup and the residue and the um, and figured out, well, maybe we can use some different things to wipe things down with now instead of the sticky, gooey stuff that we were given to start with. So now we're going to have to go through that on the corporate side. So I, yeah, I think, yeah, they'll take our advice, but to the to a fault, maybe. Well, and and therein lies the issue of of expert advice and listening to it and then following it. Um, you know, since we put out educational programs here at the academy, uh, we've got a new one releasing tomorrow uh, for critical areas in a hospital, uh, which has to deal with labs, radiology, operating rooms, and the special procedures and tools of the trade that we have to use. And, you know, there, and, and in, in this, Sean, I included some pictures of some people that did not take professional advice. Right. An MRI room with the buffer floor machine, low speed floor machine, whatever you want to call, stuck to yep. the MRI machine. <laughs> because somebody thought that they knew what was going on and our advice in the instructions is always treat an MRI room as if the machine is on and yes. you don't know I mean you know the technician doesn't know so you treat everything as if it was and this is one of the things we put in bold print and you know it, 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 it's like but yet what happened? You know, the guy went in with a floor machine, and the minute he opened the door, pushed the machine in, the MRI unit was on, Man. and it just went clear across the room and right into the MRI machine. Uh, we don't even want to talk about the amount of dollar damages that were done. Yeah, that's But see, crazy. sometimes you don't have time to make that choice to say, oh, well, you know, maybe – you know, I just didn't want to read all of that. I didn't know, you know, well, you know, yeah, we know about it. You know, the, the, the door was closed and there's nobody supposed to be in there. So why should I have to? And this is exactly the reason. So whenever we put in the, in the instructions, no metal of any sort with the tools. But now, as you just said, there's also instruction in there. You do not use a spray bottle to deliver the chemistry. And you only use appropriate products on the machine and the pads and everything on the MRI machine. But yet, right. I, I, I just think it's interesting as we're talking this morning here on Podbean Live is, folks, it's, it's like the reason that professionals in the field that give you the instructions is because typically, as I just said, there's a reason for that, and it's usually because somebody didn't follow instructions and we're talking from experience. That's when I get brought in is when that person's already done what they've done. <laughs> you and I both, Sean. You and I both. Yeah. I, I get called in. Your your carpet will not – this stain will not come out of your, this, your carpet or, you know, this floor keeps tracking or the floor – your floor is coming unglued off the off the substrate. Oh, so you're just um, Mister Mister Fix It. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like you're. It's the well. The maintenance guy told me that your floor is crap. That it's not. It's, it won't hold up. Uh, the most the one that I remember most closely is 
I was in a I was in an MRI room in a hospital in Jacksonville. Okay, all right. Uh, and it was a brand new installation, and we were in there called in there to repair the floor. The hospital had not even opened up yet. So I had my, one of my installers that he's retired now. He was at the time early sixties, seen every kind of floor was had beautiful hands as far as welding and that kind of thing. I had brought him in to to do a repair on this floor and was going to keep it kind of quiet as to what was going on, uh, just so we could get it fixed. I had been called in by the subcontractor, come in to the job, and the the superintendent for the general contractor who typically those guys are kind of mouthy and loud because they have to push people around to get things done on these big projects. And this was a big project. It was, you know, yeah, it's a big thing. So he comes walking in there with his hands in his pocket and his hard hat on and his, his boots. And he's like, man, this floor sure is crap. I wouldn't put this in my doghouse. And I, I'm on my hands and knees and I look up and I say, why would you say that? He said, well, it doesn't even hold up. This hospital's not even open yet. I said, yeah, it's interesting. I said, GM came in here yesterday and delivered a 10,000-pound MRI machine, and the floor didn't hold up. That seems interesting to me, doesn't it, to you? Yeah, but you, you, you should be, you know, this, should, this is not even traffic. It should be able to hold up to that. And I'm like, well, I mean, they pivoted a dolly around in here, and uh, they did use some floor protection, but, you know, they installed, uh, you guys wanted the floor installed, it got installed, and then they put the MRI machine in. And uh, the, the, the gentleman that I had brought in to do the repair was like, Sean, just let him talk. It's fine. Just calm down. Let's get the floor fixed and get out of here. He was the man <laughs> of reason. And I was getting pretty irate because this guy was telling me how my floor wouldn't hold up to, to, to construction traffic and that it was, wasn't worth anything. And I was trying to explain to him that hospital traffic was not near what construction traffic was. And he just didn't want to understand it. And he got the idea and, left the room and we got the floor fixed and moved on. But um, there is all kinds of different levels of expectation, you know? Well, and I think folks, what? this is, this is why Sean and I have these conversations every month and I appreciate Sean and, and his willingness to come on. He sees these things as you've heard this morning, you know, out there in the field on a regular basis from the manufacturers and and, and what's interesting, Sean, when you talk with us, it's usually before a whole lot of time goes on where for us in the supply end of it, it's usually after it's been there for some time and all kinds of people have done all kinds of things to it and then they want it corrected and they want it like new again after six years of, of abuse and misuse and they will they just finally throw their hands up and go, we've tried everything. Well, you know what? If you would have come to me before you tried everything, I could have helped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before you've tried every chemical known to man, you know, I, I even have this on my floor at home. You know, I, I was uh, talking to the person who cleans, comes in and cleans our house for us. She does a great job. And, um, I went in one day and I smelled a smell in there and I'm like, well, Hey, what is that? And she goes, Oh, you know, I, I love this. You know, it's a new green product that I found and I love this. It cleans the floor so well. And, and I'm like, Oh, okay. So I walked through the house and, and 
by the end of the time, once my wife had come home, there was tracks all over the house. And I had to explain to her that, you know, with all due respect, I, you do a great job, but I manufacture the floor that's in the house. And this is what I would like you to use to clean it, this neutral cleaner here. And then you don't have to use this every time. You can only, you only need to use it once every other time. Uh, to re remove soil, mainly in the back area of the house where we come in now from the barn. And she just could not understand why I would want to use less uh, and why she would, I wouldn't want to use this stuff that smelled so good. And I, you know, I explained to her that it's about residue, the stuff that's left on the floor after you leave. And I always have to impress upon people that I meet with that there's not only flooring salespeople, but there's chemical salespeople. And everybody wants to provide for their family and everybody has the new mousetrap. Um, but I would ask that if you're going to, you know, take care of a Mannington floor, please talk to the people who manufacture it so we can tell you how to clean it and properly take care of it instead of the person who makes a chemical that has no affiliation with us. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to get across to people. I think that's interesting part of the conversation today, Sean, because as we have, uh, you helped me develop the LV class that we now teach. And over the last several months, uh, a number of these one-on-one -on -one classes have happened. And I have a, a contractor that works up in the villages and he came to the LV class. And after class, he was, he was like, well, where's the sales pitch? I'm like, what do you mean sales pitch? He goes, well, you talked all day about the equipment and about chemicals and about tools uh, and everything. He said, so aren't you going to pitch me on all of those? I said, no. You came here for education, professional advice and education. You're mm -hmm. the ones going to make the choice. You make the choice about what you want. Now, tomorrow, if you want, you know, Gym Supply will help you get the right tools. This is why we have all of the different tools. But, you know, I think the thing is, is what people don't understand is they need to get the advice and understand why. In this case with your cleaning lady, she didn't quite grasp why the residue and why what she's always been doing and the sales brochure didn't meet what you were talking about. Right. The two don't meet. Right. And and, and 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 that's not a fault of either one, is what you and I are saying, right? No, it's not. It, um, another, uh, I like to use analogies, but another analogy that I have is I had a, I recently had a motor rebuilt in one of my hot rods. And when it Oh, now we're going to have to talk to about hot rods. Yeah, exactly. Then we uh, went, hey, we you brought up a whole nother subject here, Sean. Wait a oh, minute. Yeah, that's a whole out. other tweak. But what I did, I went through the break-in period where we broke in the cam and I'm driving the truck and I called him when it was time to change the oil and said, hey, Sherm, what, what kind of oil do I need to put in this motor? Because he built the motor mm -hmm. and I needed him to tell me what, how he had set that motor up so I knew what kind of oil to put in it in order to, for it to perform at its best as he had manufactured it. And that's I use analogies because sometimes it helps everyone to understand that that's what we're trying to do here. Come to the mechanic, come to the manufacturer, ask us what how we would have you clean it, and then 
and then go with that process rather than listen to someone who's not even part of the equation. And, and, and that is the whole point here. You know, just like the gentleman from the villages, you know, after class, he went back, he talked with the wife, his boss, <laughs> and they made decisions about the cleaning chemicals and stuff like that. And we're in the process of shipping it to them and they've been doing some evaluations and he said, you know what, this stuff is working, but this and this, I said, you and I now have an understanding of knowledge. So whenever we communicate, we know what you have. We know what you, you should know about it. So we're only talking about fine little details, now not having to learn something all over again. So it's much easier for us to help through. And, and your point on the oil thing is, is really interesting because – you know, I bought a Mini Cooper a couple of years ago. Before mm -hmm. I did, I went and took it to the mechanic shop, paid him 280 bucks to do a complete thorough bumper-to-bumper -bumper review of it before I even bought it. Right. And he told me at the time, he says, Dave, you get this. You're going to use German oil through it. It's going to be synthetic, and we're only going to change the oil every 10,000 miles. Now, right. I don't know, folks, about you. For that. Well, but see, the thing is, is I've always changed oil every three to 5,000 miles. I didn't use synthetic oil, but I did it religiously and everything. And do you know how hard it is not to go in every 3,000 miles, but go in every 10,000 miles? But yet, I don't have problems with my car, and my mechanic knows exactly, and this is what you're talking about. Makes you wonder who was having us go back every 3,000 miles before, right? <laughs> The well, yeah, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, and, and, you know, his point is, no, 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 we don't use any other oil other than a German synthetic right. oil, not anything else. And it's not that he he will never say and downgrade somebody else's product. He just says, this is what we'd use. This is I'm your mechanic. I'm the one that services your machine all the time. And I don't have problems with my machine. Right. But yet I see all kinds of other people that do. And I think this is what we're talking about this morning, right, Sean? That's exactly what we're talking about. Take advice the from profession. the professionals that have been doing it and that are going to be your support staff. Um, that's why we have this podcast, folks. This is why we do this is so that you can learn from these podcasts. And if you like what you hear, and you want to get in touch with us and you want to learn from us. This is, this is why you and I are here. Aren't we, Sean? That's exactly why we're here. So I'm going to, I'm going to get back to that uh, hot rod. You got forget mm -hmm. this floor stuff. What about this hot rod? Well, I have an affinity for old Ford trucks and I have two 1968 F100 short wheel bases that are uh, I've had, for a long, long time, way before they were popular. And uh, one is uh, completely original numbers matching motor um, that I found in the middle of nowhere. And I bought it, you know, about 10 years ago. And I've been slowly going through that one and, and bringing it back to originality and um, came with a 360 big block in it. So it has the uh, um, F, F series motor in it. Um, I'm using the wrong... Um, terminology for that but it's a 360 cubic inch big block 
with the standard transmission, short wheelbase. I mean, I can't believe that they even had a truck that small that weighs that much with that huge motor in it. But that's how it came out of the factory. And uh, then I have another 1968 uh, F100 truck that I grew up in that my wife and I took our first date in back in high school. And it had originally a 240 cubic inch straight six in it with a three on the tree when we had it when I was growing up. And my dad had bought it from the local high school football coach. And um, there'd only been one other person that had owned it before, I believe. So my dad was the third or the fourth owner. And I'm taking that truck and having it put on a Lincoln Continental chassis. So it'll have the 4.6 liter, four, four cam uh, V8 in it, the, the Ford motor. Uh, with all the airbag suspension, it'll basically be a Lincoln Continental with a 1968 F100 body on it. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that was going to be done in uh, in the near future. In the next six to ten weeks, I'm hoping it's going to be completed. We've got the the car has been purchased. The the bodywork's been done on the cab and the in the um, bed. Uh, he's just got to cut the motor mount or the body mounts off the old frame and and then take the car apart and move down that process. So we're, we're hoping then. And then Vicki wants to drive that one back and forth to work because she's currently killing me driving my big truck back and forth, back and forth to work my diesel. So, so she's going to get to drive the custom hot rod. Yeah. She's going to have the custom hot rod driving it back and forth to work. And that's how I believe that I think they should be used. You know, I think they, I think they should be driven. You know, I don't like, I, I love, I respect the guys that want to show stuff and put it on a trailer and have these trailer beauties, but uh, mine's driven. I drive them. And so, uh, you know, so you know also, what, you know, you know what the listeners are going to expect now. I know this is a podcast, but you know, they do see your picture on the, on the podcast and everything. So uh, are, are, can you provide a picture that we can put onto the, into the notes of the show? Sure. I can provide a picture of, of the, uh, the white one that I have, it's, uh, the or, or, or even the progress of, of where you're at. I mean, come on folks. Aren't you? Hey, sure. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'd like to see what Sean's doing here. Yeah, I'll be happy to. Um, I've got three projects going. So that's the third one's a 96 Bronco. So that's the other one that I have. So, um, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm Ford through and through. So I, I like, the, the look of those and I know how to work on them. And I think it comes down to it's kind of when we talk about floors, I know how to work on this, this kind of thing. So I just keep it in within my realm of knowledge. I don't step out and get anything like a, you know, Ferrari or anything like that to work on. Yes. And I think, I think that's what we're talking about uh, this morning, folks. And we thank you for either coming on and listening uh, live this morning or if you're listening to the recording, uh, as I said, we started the show this morning. You know, the downloads is great. Uh, keep listening. The live time that Sean and, and other people are providing for us is uh, very much appreciated. But, uh, you know, if you hear what, you're, what you like and you want to, uh, please contact us. Sean, can you give them some information so they can? Yeah, my number is 352-630-9884. And my email is Sean, S-E-A-N dot DeVore, D-E-V as in Victor, O-R-E at Mannington.com. Look forward to speaking with you. Um, well, maybe, well, you won't have quite, you won't have it finished next month, but maybe in a couple months here, we'll be able to see what uh, 
the end result of the hot rod is. Yeah, I hope so. Um, he's he's got a really busy shop, and he does a lot of day in and day out work. I like it. I like the gentleman that does the work. So I'm willing to wait on it. Um, I'm just you know I'm starting. I, I know he's got the the Lincoln, and I know he's got all the parts and pieces. I'm just ready for him to put it all together. And I I wish I truly had time to to do the work, but I just don't. So um, I, well, my wife had told me I got these things sitting around and get them fixed. Well, and the other thing is, is it goes along with everything we've been talking about this morning, Sean. Let a professional do their job and benefit from it at the end. Exactly. Exactly. I can I can enjoy the vehicles maintained and, and maintain them, you know, uh, as time goes forward. I do the stuff that I have time to do, and um, I enjoy them, and I drive them. That's what I like to do. Well, Sean, it's been great talking with you again this morning. Uh, look forward to uh, our conversation next month. And, uh, you know, uh, thanks for your efforts in getting our LV class together. It's been beneficial to not only us here at the Academy, but to the students so far. So I want to say thanks. You're welcome, Dave. I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you down at FSPMA. Folks, if you've uh, liked what you heard today and you want to join in on some of the education, our website is www.academyofcleaning.com. Of course, you're here on the podcast. You know all about that. We've got hundreds of uh, videos on our YouTube channel. We've got a very robust online academy. Uh, I think we're going to announce our new class tomorrow uh, for um, another part of the CEST series. And I think there's like 53 courses on there now. So please like and share what we do here and pass it on to somebody else. So until we talk to you again, make sure that whatever you do, it is healthy, positive, and proactive. Talk to you later, Sean. See you, Dave. Bye.